This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going what's the driver of the Hills Racing 47 Night. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a warm Monday evening, a warm week, but a beautiful weekend for racing is shaping up finally in the greater Michigan area. So much to talk about. One, two, three, four, I don't know, five, six interviews to do tonight. It's it's an unprecedented episode of Horsepower Happenings. A lot to talk about, but first, here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Coming up this weekend, the World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Series gets set for one of the highest paying late model races of the season, the Prairie Dirt Classic. Friday, Saturday event will send someone home with $50,000 after competing at Fairbury Speedway. Move Ty Gibbs into the championship lead with the Arca Menard Series after picking up the win on Saturday during the Shore Lunch 150 at Iowa Speedway. Winner at Berlin Raceway a week ago, Daniel Dye, finished in the second spot. In case you missed it, somehow, if you live under a rock, Michigan native Brad Keselowski will take over the flagship number six at Roush Fenway Racing in 2022. With the deal, Keselowski will also gain ownership stake in that team. And finally, race fans, mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, August 13th and 14th. Check this out. Fan Appreciation Weekend between Tri-City and Merritt Speedways. Just $5 per night gets you general admission through the gate. They're going to have autograph sessions, Rich, which we haven't done in over a year because of COVID. Um, So $5 through the gate plus autographs Friday and Saturday night, the 13th and the 14th of August at Tri-City and Merritt Speedways. That's what's happening tonight uh, in a Motor City Minute on Horsepower Happenings. A whole lot of other things going on. Good evening. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me. How's it going, sir? Great. Uh, I was able to get some racing in Saturday when not many other places did at all. And then uh, I was able to really enjoy my Dirt Vision subscription (laughs) and catch some of the Hell Tour this weekend as well. So I got a little bit the the best of both worlds, I think. Yeah, Friday I uh, put some miles, some reluctant miles on the terrain because I was looking at the weather and I got there. Sure enough, it started raining at Tri-City, but... Man, it moved out just in time for us to get the races in, and it was a really good night of racing. We're going to talk a lot about that coming up. And uh, we got some great interviews from what you saw on Saturday, from what I saw on Friday. But as you mentioned, you got to kick in some great things on the television over the weekend too. Yeah, I did, Zach. The Dirt Car UMP Summer Nationals Hell Tour was in full swing this weekend. Uh, The weekend kicked off on Friday at Tri-City Speedway down in Illinois, and it was Bobby Pierce once again picking up the win. Uh, Mike Harrison picked up the win for the Summit Racing Equipment Modified Nationals. Why is that so shocking? Because uh, Nick Hoffman was in the house and didn't win. So Hoffman finished second. Uh, Then it was on to Clarksville Speedway, uh, and it was Ashton Winger 
uh, picking up his third summer nationals win after taking uh, the win up here in Michigan and down at Oakshade. Um, so that was his third win. Uh, Nick Hoffman got back to victory lane uh, at Clarksville. So he got back on, on the winning track. And then uh, last night it was on to Richmond raceway down in Kentucky. Uh, and that was all Bobby Pierce leading all 40 laps for his 11th held tour win of the season, uh, tying his personal best. He'll look, he was going to look to break that record tonight at Lake Cumberland, but, uh, that, that event was washed out already. They, they announced that this afternoon, uh, and Nick Hoffman picked up the win last night at Richmond, um, and Zach, this was just unbelievable. He actually had an over sec- seven second lead before a late caution. And uh, it was modified Nationals win number 55 to jump to the top of the all time wins list over Harrison. Uh, Harrison was not in competition last night at Richmond. And Hoffman would, you know, he was going to try to add to that total tonight at Lake Cumberland as well. Now they have a couple of weeks off uh, for the Hell Tour before they get back at it for the late models on August 13th at the Highland Speedway down in Illinois. Man, what a what a weird season it's been for the Hell Tour, man, with weather and the split schedule and everything. It's really, it's kind of been a little bit hard to follow if you're not really into it. And I believe the Modified Nationals uh, are going to, they're going to join up with the Prairie Dirt Classic and have a $5,000 to win event. So they don't get as much time off as the late models do. But I'm sure uh, Harrison and Hoffman will be, uh, seeing each other this weekend. Well, keeping up with the Tri-City theme, it was Tri-City Motor Speedway in Auburn, Michigan that brought race fans to their feet Friday night during a rain makeup version of the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series. Stout Field, the 27 cars unloaded under a slight threat of weather in the area and put on a great show for the fans. After the field was slimmed down to 23, the green flag flew on the 40-lap feature with Eric Spangler and Chad Finley leading the field to green. Spangler jumped out to an early lead with Finley hanging tough through the first few rotations. Then Spangler began to open up the gap over Finley as the race played out. A pair of caution flags would slow the race, but played no issue for Spangler, who marched on at the front. The story of the race, though, was the moves made by Midland, Michigan's Derek Hilliker. Starting in 10th, Hilliker was working his way through the field, tracking Spangler like he had a target on his back. With no late race caution to help him, Hilliker was on his own to reel in the Lake City, Michigan driver, and he did. Nearing the 10 laps to go point of the race, Hilliker had used the top and the bottom of Tri-City to get to Spangler, but completing the pass was a different story. Hilliker tried to go low, but couldn't keep the momentum needed to pull alongside going into turn three. Hilliker's best shot came when he ripped the lip through turns one and two and got a huge run on Spangler down the backstretch, but... Before he could pull even with the 27, Spangler closed the door as the two made contact going into turn three. Hilliker couldn't get close enough to attempt another pass before Spangler picked up the second Challenge Series win of the season for the 27. I had a chance to uh, catch up with Spangler after post-race technical inspection. This one, though, not exactly dominant. You had to hold off Derek Hilliker to get the win. Take me through your race tonight, Eric Spangler. Well, you know, the, the first one we won, we started fourth there and got the lead, I think, in the second lap. And uh, this one, we we got um, we had fast time in our group, and we, we won that heat. And I think uh, everybody got to drew one through three of the heat winners, and we got the one, lucky enough. And um, car started off really good, you know, and um, I knew that a little bit of tire management was going to be necessary out there. So we went a little soft tonight than what we normally do here. So... Uh, that's what I did and tried to move around on that track a little bit and find some speed and um, 
I knew somebody tapped me in the back, and uh, <laughs> I, you know that's a car that I sold to Derek Hilliker this fall, so I, I knew it was a good car. So um, it was a great race. He tried to get you on the outside in two. You guys made a little contact on the back stretch. That kind of was what slowed him up. I don't know if it slowed him up or if it encouraged you to go faster in this 27. What was it? I probably a little bit of both. You know, I, I hugged the bottom there a few laps, and I, I felt that I got really slow down there. And then we moved to the middle, and um, that felt pretty good. So I thought I was making a little headway there on speed, and so that's where we stayed. You get this win. This is, like I said with Dona, this is a rare one-off event for the Challenge Series. Next time we talk Challenge Series, perhaps one of the biggest events of the year with the Wood Tick, 33,000-plus to win. What are you feeling a couple of weeks out? You're obviously, you know how to win that race. You know how to run that racetrack. How are you feeling going into that event? Oh, well, I, you know, I've been working with Tater on this master build and my crew, we've been working really hard all week and uh, he has got me, me my, and Tater and uh, my crew, you know, we've got this really dialed in with small adjustments and uh, it's been uh, very sporty. Okay. All right, man. Well, hey, congratulations. Nice run here tonight. It was a lot of fun to watch you go out there and wheel that 27 car. Nice work. Hey, thanks a lot. Finishing third was Dona Marcoulier, who continues to click off good points nights in the Challenge Series, but he's already looking ahead. Here's what he had to say after his time in the tech area. Dona, third place here tonight, Tri-City. And you and I talked before I turned this on. What, in your opinion, was the difference tonight? Your car came on strong late. You started making your way through the field. Uh, you said one small little thing was maybe the difference for the 6M. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the racetrack is good. I'm not going to doubt anything like that. But when they water it like that, it just dirties it up. I mean, they, they take all the grip that you have off of it. But uh, And it really took to the last 10 laps for the track to clean up, and we took off. So, I mean, uh, congrats to Eric. I know... Uh, you know, track position was important to him, but uh, I'm very happy. I mean, third place, we beat the guys we need to do for his points deal, and I don't think we got a scratch, so I'm happy. So. And, you know, to your point, the guy that finished second ahead of you came from 10th. Yep. Uh, you came from 6th. So there was some passing happening tonight. Do you think a caution would have uh, been what you needed to try to race with those two up front? I would have loved it, actually, because it would have probably put me on the outside. It would have been uh, pretty interesting. Maybe we could have pulled a slider or something for the win. But, uh, but no, I'm really happy. I mean, we did what we had to do tonight. Um, we ran third and had fast time. Uh, you know, the car is really good. This is our 2020 Black Diamond, and uh, we've actually had a really good year. I mean, uh, I had some guys, we ran good last week at Oakshade, just some track conditions there, you know, Baja rough. <laughs> but um, but we got good speed, and when you got good speed, you got confidence, and, and we're doing everything right. I mean, our whole package, our engines, um, our help. Uh, you know, I got Derek, my crew chief, busts his ass, uh, helps me drive the truck. And Jimmy, Jimmy's collision. I mean, he comes over to the shop. He was there every day this week. You know, doing tires and just we're just a great team effort. Uh, just want to thank you know my great sponsors. You know Patrick Plumbing. I mean he's done you know Bubber. He's done everything for me. You know he bought us a car. He's, we got two engines and I we always laugh because I keep lapping out our oldest motor here that we got tonight. <laughs> but uh, we got a brand new one sitting on a four to go in. But I, I'm I'm too cheap so I'll save it for next year. But uh, but no we're just clicking. I mean Dennis Kraft, uh, Matt Ryan, Ryan Competition Engines. I mean his stuff always runs flawless. Uh, J.C. Maselski, uh, All Star Towing, uh, McBain Body Shop. Uh, All-Star, Quick Car, KBC Graphics, uh, Go Lithium, Doug, uh, you know, Ronnie Stuckey, BJ, Robinson, Buy Diamond Race Cars. I mean, my personal opinion, if you don't have one of these, I don't know what, what you're doing. You're just, you know, making laps. But uh, uh, I'm just really happy to be where we're blessed and uh, I want to take my fiance. She's not here tonight. She's at, uh, at Anissa's uh, birthday party. So we're going to go enjoy it tomorrow at the lake. 
There you go. And hopefully it don't rain, but uh, we're going to take this rest of the weekend off and enjoy it. Let me ask you this. This is a rain makeup show, so there is no Challenge Series race tomorrow at Merritt. As you said, you're going to take the night off. The next Challenge Series is perhaps one of the biggest weekends of the season with the Wood Tick and the Dan Soleil. Yep. Um, how are you feeling going into that? No, really good. I mean, I think our program's really where it needs to be. I mean, we got two fantastic race cars. we got, you know, fast motors. I mean, we're clicking. We're, I mean... I'm really blessed to be where I'm at, you know, I mean, uh, this normal guy works 50 hours a week and we do this for fun, I mean, but uh, I'd love to do it for it full time, but you know how that goes, you can't afford that, so, but uh, uh, I'm just really happy, just, uh, just thanks to everybody and, uh, um, you know, Horsepower Happenings, I always, I always love doing interviews, you and Rich, and we'll see how it goes, I mean, Merritt Speedway, I know I was talking to Mike, sounds like they're reshaping it and reconfiguring it, and he's trying, I mean, he knows he's in trouble the last few weeks or with that fourth of july show and he knows and i and i, and I appreciate him you know he's, he's working hard to make it make for both racetracks are fantastic so i mean i'm really um, curious how tomorrow goes and next week goes and hopefully wood ticks hopefully we can get what number eight is that number eight number seven i don't know something like that you're, you're way up there but it'd be nice to cast <laughs> that big check too so yeah i was gonna say so third place here tonight at tri-city now eyeing thirty-three thousand plus at wood tick but no pressure yeah. no pressure no we're actually gonna take some time off we're gonna we're not, we're not going tomorrow we're gonna take next weekend off and just get organized i mean um i mean we're not gonna lie we're out of tires and mm. you know this just you and everybody else oh i know it's just uh i just want to be prepared i want to have our cars right and you know what it takes. I mean, if you want to go for that kind of money, I mean, you just can't just show up with, you know, something you just put together Friday night. I mean, it's 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 going to take a whole team, and we're going to take a week off, or possibly two two weeks off, and just get our stuff right. And hopefully, we can uh, hopefully yeah. pull it off. I mean, we were fast. Um, as long as everything goes right, qualifying, pilter all, all that good stuff, and racetrack's good. Well, I mean, there's no reason why, but I know there's you know 40 more cars. I know there's <laughs> some good cars coming too. I've been talking to a lot of guys. You know, summer national racing, and um, it's on all their market too to come up too. So uh, it's just uh, it's going to be a good show for Mike. Well, Dono, third place here tonight. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. Okay, Rich. Now it's time to bring in the guy who finished in second. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. You're going to interview the guy that finished second? Yes, because he had the best car on the racetrack Friday night. Um, glad to bring in Derek Hilliker, uh, part of the Long Hilliker name. Uh, Derek, thanks for joining us on Horsepower Happenings tonight. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Man, when I say you had the best car on the racetrack, I don't think I'm exaggerating it at all on Friday night. 27 cars, 23 of them uh, get to start the show, and you come from 10th. And when I say that you put that race car wherever you wanted to on Friday night, I mean you put it wherever you wanted to, and you had a bad, fast race car. Uh, first off, tell me how your car felt from from unloading. It looked like it was fast all night. Well, actually, we, we kind of struggled in qualifying. Um, we've been having that issue all year. Um, we, we dig ourselves a hole, and it's just so hard to get out of. Um, but come here, race, we got a little bit better, and then really just the track came to us. It didn't change the car a whole lot. Um, so as the track's flickened off, um, you know, come feature time, it was pretty darn good. And, you know, the track was pretty pretty fast early on, and then it, it changed a lot by the end. That's probably the biggest swing it's done in a single race in quite a while and by the end it was getting pretty close to ice but car was getting better and better every lap for those who aren't there it was an interesting racetrack from where i was sitting uh it looked like you had a little bit of a lip to work on in turns one and two nothing really to hold on to in turns three and four and you were making gains at both ends of the racetrack but you were doing it in different ways it looked like uh from where i was sitting which was in turn three methodical 
throttle control in turns three and four, and then it looked like you were just banging the cushion in one and two, but you would go to the bottom occasionally down there too. Uh, what was your what, what would the racetrack feel like to you? It's, you said it got icy toward the end, but it looked like you were able to move around pretty good. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Um, pretty much the whole race, there was still a cushion down in one and two that you could, you could lean up against. Um, there were two black grooves that you had to kind of avoid in one and two. You could be right on the tires, you could be right in the middle, or you could be way up at the top. Uh, if you were in between those, those three spots, it was there was nothing left. Um, and then down in three and four, it was pretty slick all the way from the tires all the way to the top. And like you're saying, you kind of just, you know, slow and easy, slower is faster down at that end of the speedway. And then, um, in one and two, you could attack a little bit harder. Um, most part, I, I stayed right up top the whole race. Once we caught up to Eric, tried moving around a little bit. I tried actually, he was kind of guarding the top and I tried showing my nose underneath him. I didn't think I'd be able to get the pass done down there. I was trying to show my nose underneath him to get him to, to start defending the bottom and hopefully open up a lane up top, but it, it just didn't happen. And then we got up in the lap traffic and it, it just didn't work out. I guess uh, we had one run at him and closed the door pretty good. And um, yeah, that was kind of all, all she wrote at that point. But now I wasn't able, I wasn't able to be there. Derek, Zach was there and he kind of briefed me on the situation. Um, from what I heard, closing the door a little bit, is kind of mild. Um, take me through those last, you know, those last few laps. Um, it, it, it sounds like you had the car to get by him. Yeah, I think we were definitely faster. You know, we, when we got into second, we were something like two seconds down. Um, and we obviously caught right up to him. Um, I think we were better in traffic was a lot of it. Uh, just, you know, he was, he was pretty set right in the middle of the track and that's where a lot of the lap cars were running too. So, uh, he was struggling to move around a little bit, I think. Um, and as I was coming through, I kind of had to learn the top and the bottom and where I could be good. And I think it was around <clears throat> around like five to go or so is when we had the, the best run at him. Um, got one and two just right. He went to the bottom of one and two. And I was way up top and had a real good run coming off. And, you know, I mean, he, he he's the leader. He, he gets to to pick the track that, you know, the spot on the track that he wants to run. It's, it's all his track. No, no, um, it's not all but, his, Derek. It's not all, he doesn't get all of it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, and I thought when I talked I to you, let me, that, can I, let me say this. <clears throat> I thought when I talked to you after the race on Friday, you said the exact same thing, Derek. And I've talked, Rich and I've talked to a lot of race car drivers and there's not a lot of them left that would say this the way that you have said it. I, I love your opinion on this. So please uh, uh, explain it to us a little bit. Well, I mean, I guess where I'm coming from is especially until, you know, there's another car there. I would say that he is allowed to go top to bottom, wherever he wants to go. Um, and he, he didn't do anything wrong. You know, he left, you know, if the car's what seven feet wide at the nose or whatever it is, he probably left about six and a half feet between, you know, his right rear quarter panel on the top of the track. And, you know, if he had left eight inches more, we would have got him. I have no doubt that we would have beaten him into three, had the run through three and four and got him, got right by him. Um, the, the difference that I think is, you know, I mean, I got into him going down the back stretch just because I mean, there's a hole. Yeah. You got to go, you got the momentum and then it closed right at the last second. I got on the brakes and, you know, tried to let him in. We still tagged him, 
at that point, he knows I'm, I'm with him. At that point, I think that even as the leader, you're, you need to be more aware that you're in traffic. There is someone there. And at that point, I say, you know, the whole track isn't yours. I would say then you need to start leaving a lane for the other driver. Cause I mean, I, I'm not that kind of person, but there are drivers that at that point, if you don't leave a lane, they'll just dump you. You know, I mean, they'll just flat out wreck you if you keep taking their line away. And I don't want to be that driver, but, um, you know, and that's, that's where I kind of backed down at that point. And, you know, I wanted to get them clean if I was going to get them. I didn't want to move them by any means. So, and don't, and don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, Eric Spangler is probably one of the best UMP late model drivers that I've seen in my time. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there and he's, and he's right up there with the best of them, but I don't care who's in that car, whether it's Eric or anybody else. If they're, if they're giving me three quarters of a car, I'm giving myself the other quarter and, <laughs> and moving it in there for six grand to win. <laughs> well, and that was definitely on my mind was, you know, 6,000 to win. But I guess I never really thought that it was my place to take. Um, you know, and... and I don't like a torn up race car. I, I don't like, I, I hate doing body work, honestly, <laughs> but, um, and you know, there's the saying like that we're not out there to make friends and all that. And that's true, but I don't want to make enemies either. You know, you, you, you piss off the wrong driver. I hope I'm allowed to say that, but, oh, yeah, you're fine. um, then, you know, it, it can just snowball into really bad things in the future. And I just don't want to have, I don't want to have to watch my back when some other driver's on the track. So I don't want to run dirty if I, you know, if I can avoid it in any way possible. Last question on this situation, and I'm not uh, trying to stir the pot or anything. I want you to give us the driver's insight for other drivers or crew members or fans who are listening to the show. From where I was, it looked like you had shown your nose to Eric several times before the back straightaway incident. It looked like you'd pulled to, pulled to his inside in one and two, got to his outside, at least through the corner, and then he pulled you off the corner. It looked like you had shown yourself several times. In your mind, at that point, you hadn't established your presence uh, enough to to think, okay, Eric, Eric should give me a lane here um, because he knows I'm running the top in one and two, and he should give me a lane here because I've been to his inside in turns three and four. Um, that's not your thought process at that point. Well, I guess I don't know if I ever got far enough along the outside of him is what I was thinking. Okay. Um, I mean, honestly, I was kind of trying to pull the days of thunder. Is you going high? Is you going low? <laughs> I wondered if you were, man, because you were all over the place. And, <laughs> and because I was really, I didn't think I was going to be able to get him on bottom. My whole goal was to just show my nose on bottom so that he would come down and guard it. So I guess that was my thinking at the time was he doesn't know I'm even running the top because I don't think I ever got far enough alongside the outside of him for him to see me. I was only there on the inside, you know, and whether that was going through his mind or, you know, I'm, I'm quite often on top in one and two. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I've always tended to go. I, I just like it up there. So, you know, if he knows me as a driver, he probably figured I was up there, but at the same time, I just didn't think, I didn't think I had, like you said, established my presence well enough to, to take that, that lane. Now, Derek, let's. Yeah, I want. I want to ask you this because um, I'm, I'm kind of curious about this. Um, 
even though you have a championship back at Tri-City um, back in 2019, I mean, you outran some some names like Marcouli or Finley Stem, Stemler. Um, does it bother you that some may have think your performance was an upset, or do you think you belong there and now you're out to prove it? Uh, the second one. I, I don't see us as an upset. Like, if we had won that, I don't really like that being seen as an upset, to be honest. Um, it is true that we are a lower budget than a lot of those teams. Um, but especially at Tri-City, I, I think we belong in that, that contender list come feature time, especially. Um, you know, pretty much with some exceptions this year, we've been up there most nights. We've just had freak mechanicals. Uh, I mean, we should have finished second the last three nights. We got a flat tire three nights ago there. And then earlier in the year, we got stuck. Um, again, the bad qualifying bit us. We started 18th and we were up to fifth, 12 laps in when the ignition box broke. Oh, man. I mean, it, at one point in that race, we were catching the leader in traffic by about a second a lap. Sounds familiar. And I looked at, at race pass lap times and we were reeling in, I believe it was Stemler was leading at the time, a second a lap fighting through 12th and 11th and 10th place. So... I, I think at least at Tri City, we should be considered a contender. With the history that your family has there, uh, you know, obviously you've got some Hall of Famers in your family. Uh, you know, your dad David, or and uh, your your uncle Stephen, and everybody like that. And uh, you know, there's some other folks that are racing out of that kind of Hilliker camp. There's a line of I don't know. It seems like half a dozen cars that park together all the time. You guys are sharing a lot of resources. You have a lot of knowledge um, that you're bouncing around there. Talk to me a little bit about the camp, if you will, who, who is set up in, in the camp and who's sharing notebooks and, and really who is it that makes up this race team? So the, the primary team would be my dad, David, my uncle, Steven, myself, my brother-in-law, uh, Ryan Lanfeard. Um, and then to some extent, Andrew Terrell as well. You know, he parks, uh, with, with the group there at, at Merritt. He's down, um, a little bit further down pit road at Tri-City, but in, um, most of us work out of the same engine builder. Um, and as far as the, the four of us, the three Hillikers and, and Ryan, um, we all have master built at this point. And that was not really an accident. Um, my uncle's still running an older one to 2004, which is what I was in until this year. Um, we actually, ironically enough, bought Eric Spangler's old car. Um, <laughs> but so myself, my dad and Ryan are all in Gen X's. And then my uncle's in SmackDown, uh, SmackDown. So, um, you know, the idea was to try to get on common equipment that we could share notes between, uh, bounce ideas off each other. And I, I think it helps. I really do. Um, you know, everything from suspension stuff to tire prep, to tire choice. Um, you know, you talk about how the, the track is shaping up. Were you any good up top? Were you any good down low? Um, are you really tight for some reason or, you know, just stuff like that. It's, it's so beneficial to be able to just communicate what you're feeling and, and bounce ideas off each other of what they're feeling on track. Um, it, it helps all of us get faster. And you mentioned that this was not done by accident, all the notes that you're able to share. And then, you know, the, just the seat time, the, the seniority that you have there um, with, with, 
Stephen and David and, you know, your dad and your uncle there. And, uh, and then, of course, with Ryan and, uh, as you mentioned, Andrew in that mix as well. Um, I think that's a strong – we're talking about, you know, five guys right there that are all kind of running out of the same camp. And, and as you mentioned, I think, too, that we should uh, probably do a better job of including you guys in the conversation, like you said, especially at Tri-City, because, um, man, knowledge is really power with these race cars, isn't it? Oh, absolutely it is. Um, you know, it's come a long ways from, you know, when I first started racing, even which was 2015, it's a lot different than it was then. And, you know, I, I really wasn't into racing all that much as a teenager. It was kind of my late teens when I started helping dad to set up. And that's when I started to get interested in it. Um, and that was right around the time that like the new attitude of the cars, you know, with the right front bottom and out and the left rear about a mile in the air that that's when that started to come around. Um, and to some extent that's actually kind of helped me cause that's all I've ever known is that new attitude. Um, with my dad and my uncle, it took some convincing to get into that, you know, new era of this is how the cars are and this is how they should feel and everything. Whereas I, I never knew any different. Um, but yeah, it is just a tremendous help to just share information for sure. Now, Derek, I mean, obviously, you know, anybody who's been around knows that you guys have always been good at Tri-City, but what's it going to take for you to be, uh, let's just say more consistent at merit where you can contend for an all-star performance late model challenge series championship. Well, I think at merit, a lot of it is, is driver. Um, and again, when I started in 15, I really only ran Tri-City for the most part. Um, and Tri-City is basically a circle and Merritt is much more of a paperclip. I think that's a lot of it is um, I don't charge the corners hard enough at Merritt. I don't, uh, I'm not aggressive enough for Merritt. I mean, Tri-City is kind of a finesse track, whereas Merritt to me anyway, seems to be a lot more of a hard charger type, type track. And until I get that through my head, I'm, I'm going to struggle there. Um, I think it'll also help if we commit a little bit harder to merit I mean, this year, we're actually running crystal for points. So, um, I mean, I've only ever put about half a season's worth of like hard commitment at merit. And that was last year. Um, and yes, yeah, so I, I think that to, to really go after some sort of challenge series championship, it's just going to be a lot of retraining the way I drive to get around merit the way I need to. Well, I got, you know, I got to tell you, it, you really want to know, I'll tell you a young man that felt the same way you did when he was young, and that was Logan Nickerson. He hated coming to Merritt. He even told Zach and I that, and now he's running pretty good there when they show up. Yeah, and I mean, I think to some extent we are kind of in that same boat. Um, we definitely have our stronger tracks and our weaker tracks, the two of us, and um yeah, like you said, you know, he runs really well at Merritt and I, I'm not so great there. And then we come to Tri-City and I run pretty strong typically. And, you know, he's, he's right there with us, but um, I don't think he's quite as much of a threat at Tri-City as I would see him at, at Merritt on a given night. The, the frustration for you is evident with your performance at Tri-City. Not your performance, your luck. Uh, your performance, as you mentioned earlier in the interview, has been there, Derek. Uh, the luck is what needs to change. Um, how hard is, has it been for you to stay focused and really just keep putting the nose to the grindstone and, and tell yourself, we have a car that can win, we just got to put a night together? 
Uh, it's definitely been challenging this year. Um, I mean, it, if not for bad luck, we wouldn't have much luck at all this year for sure. And you really need to, to thank my, my support system more than anything. Um, my fiance, Jesse, for always keeping me motivated. And even, um, you know, my dad told me earlier in the year, like as we were having bad runs, like when the ignition broke and stuff like that, just like silly things that you know, you've got a good car. It's, it, it's going to, it's going to get there eventually. It's just a matter of getting these little mechanical issues sorted out and then you'll be solid. And, you know, we had a pretty good run going at crystal even. Um, and then we had two really bad weeks in a row and it's just so hard to, to keep pushing forward. And I remember we had just, uh, just clobbered the wall at crystal, rebuilt the car, long, long week rebuilding the car go to Tri-City and we qualified bad and we're bad in the heat race. We started 15th. This was two weeks ago. Started 15th and then we ended up second again and came in the pits and fiance comes, comes down like Iron. She says, and this is why we keep doing this. You know, after we were stressed and just, this is a stupid sport, hate it. Already be done. You go out and you go 15th to second and it's like, oh yeah, that's why we do this. Man, who is it? Uh, I know you, you mentioned the guys back in the shop, and we talked about kind of that five-car camp that you've got going on. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there are some stickers on the side of that car that are more than just decorative. Who is it that helps you get, get back and forth to the racetrack? Uh, Midland Steel is our biggest sponsor right here out of, out of Midland. Keith Luckett is uh, just a great guy. Uh, he helps us so much throughout the year, throughout the offseason. Um, you know, honestly, I don't know if we could do it without, without their support. Uh, Hilliker Glass is my dad's. Uh, he, he operates his own auto glass company. I work out of his shop. I don't pay bills for the electricity and all that stuff. He takes care of all that. Um, and I, you know the knowledge he has and the help he provides on the car on, on the rough weeks. Um, you know he's he's very critical. Uh, Stanford's LP Gas. Um, they provide the, volant, the the propane for our uh, our shop in the winter. Um, Michigan Agribusiness Solutions, uh, they came on a few years ago and just help us out again through the off season, mostly along with RJ industrial recycling, uh, same deal with them. Um, they, they came on and just wanted to help out in any way they could. Um, and then, uh, Marquis performance engines, Steve Marquis is, uh, you know, I mentioned a while ago, he builds engines for a lot of the people in our group. Um, he's done my engine ever since I started racing and, you can't ask for more out of an engine builder than what he gives us. Um, huge benefit to our, our organization. Well, Derek, man, congratulations on putting a string of, of good runs together. Um, looking forward to getting a chance to talk to you down in Victory Lane at some point this year. Um, nice work, and uh, thanks for joining us on the show tonight. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. All right, Rich, uh, just a little housekeeping here while we have a quick second. Um <laughs> Some things fall through the cracks, and uh, it, it's unfortunate when that happens. So our apologies for those who have been like, where in the heck is the Gary did you know on social media? I, I don't know. Does Gary know where it went? Because I don't know where it went. Um, and so we appreciate We had a fan reach out to us this morning. They're like, hey, here's my answers. Where's your post? I, and uh, so, whoops. <laughs> the best and, and, and what does that tell you, Zach? That means he was listening to the show last week because he heard all the questions. Yeah. So, uh, no, that's pretty cool. You know, we don't mess up that often, but we are not 
fallible. You know, right. we, we can make we can uh, screw up. We did last week, so we'll get the post out this week, and we'll have the answers on next week's show. And again, we appreciate Fast Time Race Engines and uh, Parts for being a part of that. And of course, we thank Gary for his work with that. So, Gary, did you know? Go back and listen to the questions in last week's show, and then uh, or don't whatever you want to do because we'll put a post out this week that has the questions. You can answer. You get them all right. You'll uh, be entered in to win some great prizes uh, that, who knows, if you get them all right, you might win some tickets to some races here in the closing uh, bells of the season. So go on there. Find our post on our Facebook page. I promise it will be there. Uh, matter of fact, it's already ready to go. So go on there. Look for that later on this week. Gary, did you know, brought to you by Fast Time Race Engines and Parts. Well, Zach, uh, for nearly a year, Bubba Pollard has heard the doubters and naysayers uh, telling everyone that would listen that the dominant days were over, uh, Zach. And that was after 12 wins in 2020, mind you. Uh, but Friday night's results proved those claims may be premature. Pollard rallied from his 17th starting position to nab the lead from Chandler Smith with just three laps to go to score the win in the Universal Fabricators 100 at Five Flag Speedway. It was Pollard's first win of the 2021 season in just his second night in the Newport City chassis. Uh, going through the windless drought uh, had forced Pollard to change his normally calm, calculated driving style to a new, far more aggressive way of maneuvering. Uh, with less than 25 laps to go, Pollard initiated a pass on a restart that was just downright impressive. Pollard forced his way to the inside of Jake Garcia and Grant Enfinger heading into turn one. Uh, all three drivers made contact. Pollard squirted by on the bottom to go from sixth to third in one corner. Uh, with five to go, he was just two car lengths behind and coming with the two to go signal, he made his move on Smith. Uh, he drove to the inside of Chandler down the front stretch and never looked back. Uh, with the win, Pollard pocketed $20,000 on the first night of the Blizzard Series Southern Super Series doubleheader down at Five Flags. Then came Saturday, and then Chandler Smith wasn't about to let a win get away two nights in a row. Uh, Smith took the lead on lap 30 of the Mickles and Booth 100 and led the rest of the way to finish ahead of fellow Georgia drivers Casey Roderick and Jake Garcia for his first win of 2021. Uh, Pollard wasn't so lucky on night two as he would drop out early due to mechanical issues. The Southern Super Series will be back in action on August 14th at Chris Motorsports Park in Cordell, Georgia for the Georgia Summer Nationals, where Corey Heim picked up the win at the Spring Nationals earlier this year. Well, Rich, one of the few tracks you mentioned it that got a chance to race on Saturday night was Muskegon's Thunderbird Raceway. They had a full field. 20 late models graced the property. Again, dodging weather in the area to get in the program. Pretty straightforward race. Ryan Vanderveen, Kevin Jusola lead the field to green. And at the end of 25 laps, Vanderveen had uh, maintained that top spot, collecting the win ahead of Mike Vandermark Jr. and Rich Neeser. In other action that night at Thunderbird, A.J. Ward collected the IMCA modified win. He beat Mitchell Hunt and Derek Passnier to go to victory lane. Rich, you had the other track that managed to race on Saturday. I think there was only two maybe in the entire state that got it done. Yeah, and it was close. Uh, we, we finally got the storms about 20 minutes after the last checkered flag, so it was very close. With the storms looming, uh, Flat Rock Speedway was at a fast track to get the Moran Chevrolet Stanley Memorial 150 completed on Saturday night. Uh, this, the same can be said for Brian Bergacre as he moved from his 12th 
starting position to take the lead on lap 77 and control the remaining 73 laps to capture his third consecutive victory in the event. Harold Ford Jr. Harold Fair Jr. would jump out to the early race lead and controlled most of the first half of the race. Uh, at one, one point, Fair would open up a straightaway lead over second place Eric Lee, but a rash of cautions uh, would tighten the field just prior to the halfway point, allowing Bergacre to move through the field while saving his valuable Hoosier tires. Uh, several drivers would attempt to make the charge to the front in the second half of the event, only to be bitten by mechanical issues. Steve Cronenwet Jr. made his way into the top five, only to be bitten by a broken fan belt on lap 60. Fair Jr. would retire due to a mechanical issue as well on lap 71 while running second. Justin Schroeder looked to be the one to challenge Bergacre uh, as he closed in within a couple of car lengths of the number 12 machine with 25 laps to go. But the mechanical bug bit Schroeder as he slowed and stopped on the racetrack and turned two with a flat right front tire. Uh, Schroeder would make his way down pit road to get the tire replaced and hope to take another shot at Bergacre, but was assessed a five-lap penalty by race officials for bringing out the caution intentionally. Uh, on the restart, Bergacre would uh, once again drive away and secure the $2,633 pay payday plus lap money. Uh, Victory Lane celebrations were slightly delayed with the heat getting the best of Bergacre. Uh, 2019 co-rookie of the year, Connor Zabosian, drove a very smart race and got by Craig Everidge for the runner-up position in the final laps. Everidge would come home third with Zabosian's rookie of the year counterpart, Hayden Sprague, and Stan Yee Jr. rounding out the top five. This gentleman picked up a big win on Saturday in the Stan Yee Memorial 150 at, at the Flat Rock Speedway. Um, that makes not just three, but three in a row in this event. Uh, we'll talk to him more about that. Makes his home in Middleville, Michigan. Brian Bergacre, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Man, congratulations, my friend. This one seemed to kind of fall in your lap rather nicely. Um, a lot of cars had some issues near the front, but you were really able to save those tires until you needed them at the end. Yeah, it was kind of a, kind of a weird race for me. I mean, you know, set fast time to start in 12. And uh, I just kind of wanted to get to the bottom. And 150 laps at Flat Rock's a long time. It's hard on tires. So I wanted to get to the bottom and kind of ride. And we did that right away. And we had all them cautions early. And it seemed like I'd pick off two cars and I would be in the, I'd be in the bottom lane again. I'd get a couple more cars and be in the bottom lane again. So, like, I think it was until I got to, like, fifth place before I had to really, really work to pass because we had all them restarts early. And um, the car was just really, really solid. And I could just count on it to stick when I drove down in the corner on those restarts. and. And you know, we picked off a couple of cars every restart, and it really played into our hand, you know, got us the fifth really quickly. And, um, you know, from there, just kind of rode around for a little bit to save tires. And I think what did help you as well was you had a few cars up there that were that were probably going to battle you for that win, um, that because of the heat, they had issue mechanical issues with the car, cooling issues, and, and, and they had to pull it down the infield as well. That had to help you out. That did help, you know, um, you know, Harold had issues. I, I think I passed Harold before he had issues or he was having issues when I passed him, you know, the 21, a crown and wet, he was, he was looking really good in front of me there. And then he pulled off on that one caution. And then, um, even Schroeder, the four car for that matter, he, he kind of followed me up through there from the back and he was pacing with me there and he was running second and then he had a flat tire. So like, 
a lot of those guys had issues that, you know, didn't expect to have issues that, that were going to be, I think, in contention to be there for the win. Yeah, let's talk about – I wanted to ask you about the, the Schroeder situation because um, he was making a charge at you and was really – and I was watching the lap times. He was quite, he was quite a bit faster um, at that point in the race. If he doesn't get that flat tire, and, and I guess he did go down and get another tire, but, you know, they gave him the five-lap penalty. If he doesn't get that, um, and did you have enough to hold him off at the end? I, you know, I don't know. My guys were telling me that we were pacing good. You know, I was I was really out front saving tires, um, not pushing the car as hard as I should have been. Maybe when he was catching me there, um, but I was trying to save tires. I knew there was a lot of laps to go. So I wasn't super worried about it at that point. Like if he got to me, I think we'd have been had a pretty good race, but um, he was definitely coming and and I would have had to go a lot sooner than what I did. So put this into perspective for me, uh, you know, this event, the, the Stan Yee, the 150 is, you know, people refer to it as a lot of things, uh, 150 laps around flat rock in and outlaw super late model. First off, what is that like? And then second off, the event itself has so much behind it. Uh, it can't get old to win these things. I don't think it ever gets old to win races. I don't think it matters what race it is. Um, I, I, I love winning, and, and that's the goal when we go to the track is to win every time. You know, um, We've kind of backed our schedule down a little bit this year to be able to focus a little bit more. My work's been a little crazy, so I haven't had as much time to work on cars. Um, so we backed our schedule down a little bit for that, but you know, this, this 150 race was a race that, um, you know, Stan asked me to come two years ago. Um, Terry Sinecker asked me to come to it. We came down to it. We, I think we had fast time the first time there, um, and just fell in love with the place in, in an outlaw car, you know, um, it's an intense little place. It's tight, little racing. Um, everybody's competitive, but also clean. You know, I like the fact that there's two or three lanes and it's just a, a fun place to race for me. I like going there. Put into perspective three in a row i mean is that is that a big deal to you i know when you know we t start talking about statistics and you know you talk about three feature wins in a row three championships in a row three stan Yee memorial 150s in a row is that a big deal to you it, it is actually um it, it's kind of funny it, it didn't sink in like I, I was not feeling so great after the race on saturday and like Sunday morning, I got up and my, my wife was gone to work and my kid was gone. And I, I just had, you know, the house to myself. And I was like, man, this is, this is a bigger, big deal. You know, when, when you say it, it gives me chills, you know, um, you know, when I'm at the track, I don't really think about it much because my goal is there to go there and win. Right. Don't worry about this or that and how many race wins. And then when I talked to, to Rich early in the day, I asked him if anybody had won three and he, he, I think he told me no at that time, you know. And to have three of them, it's impressive, you know, in general. But to win three in a row, that's that's even bigger, you know. Um, my guys love coming there, and we just we just you know we shoot for this race every year, um, along with all the other big races. But this one just seems to be our race for some reason. And that so so, so you pick up this win. I can't wait to get down there to talk to you because I'm waiting uh, for some classic Brian Bergacre quotes. And uh, you have a problem. <laughs> you you're. you're uh, down on the ground uh looks like that race took about everything out of you that you had and more it did you know um the day was hot it was humid um just and then we, we you know it's kind of different how we started that race because the weather was coming in they they jumped it ahead and they had us all getting our cars ahead of time and we probably sat in our cars for 30 minutes before the race ever started and as hot as humid as it was i was already overheated before the race really started um, just, just heat wise and stuff like that. And I've been hydrating, like I hydrate for these races all week long. 
you know, I drank so many bottles of water every day to hydrate for these races. And, you know, I, I felt like I was fully hydrated and everything was good. It was just overall heat exhaustion. Um, the car ran probably 20 to 25 degrees hotter the entire race than it normally does just because of the humidity and the heat. Um, so that didn't help. So that creates more header heat and, and a lot of different things, engine heat and, you know, in the car and I actually got a small little burn on my right heel from, from racing that race Saturday. So that, that tells you how hot the car was inside. Um, I think I talked to Schroeder and he said he had a burn on his heel as well, you know, so it was definitely hot for everybody. And to be honest with you, that's the worst I've ever gotten out of a race car. Um, I was dizzy, you know, um, the last 20 laps I was making mistakes. I didn't really know, not going to say I didn't know where I was at on the track, but it was tougher to hit my marks. I was just not the calm, cool, collected person I normally am in the car. It was definitely difficult with the heat. And you kind of answered the question I was going to ask you is with everything that goes into running one of these race cars, the adrenaline and the focus and the, the, uh, just sheer concentration, did you realize that you were falling off? And it sounds like toward the end of the race, you for sure did. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I wasn't making the lap times in, in the, in the actual like entry to the corner and the exit of the corner. Like I, I, I normally would, um, just cause I was, I was fatigued. I was tired. I was hot and you know, 50 laps in, I was telling the guys I was hot, you know, so I had a hundred laps to go at that point, you know, and it just kept getting worse and worse from there, you know, um, and got out front and it was a little easier once you're out front. Cause you can pace yourself. You're not trying to pace with somebody else and make sure you don't run into the back of them and hit your marks and all that stuff. It's a little easier out front for me. Um, but it still was really difficult there, you know, when them guys like, you know, average on the outside on that one restart, he hung for a few laps there. It was, it was tough, tough to go. You know, this was one of the harder ones as far as the heat goes for me, for sure. Is there anything you can do or anything that your guys are doing to, uh, I mean, being hot is hot, right? It doesn't matter if you're hot, you're hot. And, and there's only so much, very little airflow going on, whether you got a helmet blower or hand out the window or anything like that. But on the mental side, is there anything you're doing or that your guys are doing on the radio or, or trying to just keep you in the right mental state to, to get the win? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I don't talk on the radio a whole lot. Um, I, I kind of leave that up to the spotter. I, I try to stay off the radio under cautions. I'll talk a little bit, but under green, very rarely will I talk, you know, and, and talk. And I was actually telling them under green how hot I was and thought I was having troubles and, you know, stuff like that. So that's not normal for me. And they were just like, you're fine. You know, the rain's coming, you know, just keep focusing on what you're doing. The rain's going to get here. You know, they were talking about rain. So I wasn't thinking about the heat. I was thinking about the rain, you know, so, um, that, that definitely helped those guys helping me out, get through that. You know, there's, there's still only so much you can do, you know, like I have a helmet blower and I usually don't turn it on until caution. I ran that thing the whole race, you know, just the, the constant time, the whole race, you know, um, just doing, doing whatever I could to stay cool in the car. Well, you got through this one. Um, now, now you're feeling pretty good. Uh, what do you got on your schedule coming up that, uh, that the fans can, uh, come and see yet? Well, I, you know, just before this call, I was talking to Richie Mercero from the Reveal the Hammer series, and we were talking about Berlin and, and tires, and, you know, the tires is a big deal this year, so we're talking about what tire we're going to run and, you know, what they're going to do there and what we can do to promote that. So, like, I got August 7th, we're going to go to Berlin and run, they got a 100 lapper up there for the Reveal the Hammer series. So hopefully we get a few more cars. I think we had 14 or 15 last time. It'd be nice to get 20. Um, be nice to get Tyler and, and JR, you know, Rorig to come. And, you know, have a full field of cars up there um, for that race. And then from there, I got the clash um, at Kalamazoo on the 18th. And that's right, right, pretty much all the further I'm looking ahead right now. And we'll see if we get through those two big races, and then we'll go from there. 
Well, Brian, a big schedule, and not a big schedule, but an important schedule, uh, because they're all big races that you're planning on going to, and uh, you've racked up another one here in, in 2021, so congratulations. Who's on the side of that uh, that bright yellow machine that helps you get to Victory Lane? Yeah, i got to thank Central Transport, first of all. They're, they're our biggest sponsor. You know, i got Michigan Marking. Um, we had a little issue. We didn't get their decal on the car this week, so i got to thank those guys. Um, Michigan Marking, Sweet Manufacturing, Ernest Performance, Seneca Performance, you know, all these, all these guys are, are big helps to us getting you the racetrack every week. And, you know, my crew and my wife and my family, you know, we put, they put a lot of hours into this so we can go win those big races and, and it really pays off. The hard work really shows. Well, Brian, congratulations, man. Nice job. Thanks for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks guys. Well, Rich, we've got two interviews in the books now and one, two, I don't know how you want to classify it, remain, but real quick, I want to uh, make sure that we don't glaze over the fact that just a couple of hours to our south, uh, a racetrack is getting revived this weekend. The revision process has actually been underway for a couple of weeks. Montpelier Motor Speedway, which had been shuttered for long enough that grass was growing thickly in the racing surface, is going to be uh, revamped this weekend and, and Rich. Uh, I'm happy that a racetrack is being revived. Why am I bringing it up in discussion? How do you think they are going to do now that they, same owner, Larry Booz is going to be promoting that. He's the man behind the Rumble in Fort Wayne, and uh, he's done some other things, obviously, big career in racing. He's going to try to bring this place back to life Saturday night. How do you think they're going to do, given that they had, really, a COVID year, and the year before that, things were kind of uh, touch and go with that, that racetrack how do you think the revision is going to go? Well, you know, we, we, we were able to spend some time down there, Zach, with the American Ethanol Tours uh, down at Montpelier. And, um, you know, it, it really provided some good racing. And it and it it may be okay because that's – if you've ever been to Mount Pe- the Montpelier area, it's a local crowd uh, that goes there. So if they've been missing their racing long enough, uh, I think, I think you know, as they say, you, if you have it, that people will come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you just need to make sure I would be concerned with. Um, let's just make sure that the that the current owner lets the promoter do his job the way he wants to do it. I think that's very important. Um, I think when you have a track owner that is that has been active and and, uh, and a promoter that is very active and and a promoter that is very active and very good at what he does, um, you want to make sure that there, that there aren't any problems along the way. So um, that's what I would hope. Uh, let he just lets uh, Larry run run the show and, and do it his way, and um, you know we'll know by this weekend. How, it's not all going to be fixed in one weekend. We know that, but uh, if he can get it heading in the right direction, the second half of 2021. Uh, maybe they got something to look forward to in 2022. RaceMontpelier.com. They have a 2021 schedule, a rebuilding year. It says this right at the top. This will be a rebuilding year for the new management with the late season opening. Contracts are still being worked out with multiple sanctioning groups and will be updated as they are firmed up. Uh, we did just see today that the um, the D2 USAC Midgets did confirm that they are going to be a part of uh, a show there, Midwest Thunder Midgets. So this weekend, reopening, Saturday night, July 31st, UMP Modified, Super Stocks, Hornets, week number two, Midgets, UMP Mods, Super Stocks, and Hornets. Then the rest of the schedule, August through the beginning of October, watch for an announcement, and then uh, their staple event, the Monster Mash, um, looks like here Friday and Saturday, October 29th and 30th. 
my thing, Rich, is going to be consistency. The racetrack went through, hey, we're going to race this week. Ah, uh, no, we can't race. We're not going to race. You know, that was how the doors ended up being closed is on again, off again. I hope that they're able to, uh, you know, I, I think there's no secret that there has been some issues with that racetrack, um, you know, administratively. I hope they're able to pick up the baton and run with it because I've raced at Montpelier. I've raced that racetrack. It's a cool racetrack. Um, it's got a lot of character. It puts on a really good show. I hope nothing. I hope for nothing but the best for Larry. And like you said, I hope Larry's able to stretch his legs and do his job. Yeah, and and I've noticed. I mean, it's very fan. It's been very very fan friendly when we were there. Uh, they had a nice little concourse set up with trailers, and you could buy T-shirts and and get your food down there out behind the grandstand. It was cool. You know, I know they had a fifty fifty drawing down there, so they they uh, they love that. So you know, I mean, they, they do the same thing other racetracks do. So. Um, you're right. Uh, you have if you're going to race, you have to have it on the schedule every week, or have it, you know, pre-announced. Onaway seems to do a, a nice job with not racing every week and and doing some big shows, but you know that at the beginning of the season. Yeah, for sure. So, so, so as long as you are consistent, uh, everybody knows when you're going to be racing. Um, I, I think I think it, it can be successful again. I know a lot of guys from our region, Dirt Modifieds uh, especially, like to end up down at Montpelier if nothing's going on up here, and especially for the Monster Mash. I know there's a lot of folks that are excited to see Montpelier reopening. I am too. Uh, I, it's another racetrack back on the map, another racetrack that, although closed for a short period of time, was closed. Um, so we're happy to have them back. Good luck to Larry and his staff and everybody, and good luck to the drivers going back. Seen some pictures this week. The place looks good. They've put a lot of sweat equity into it over these last couple of weeks, so uh, I hope things go well for them down at Montpelier. All right, Rich, it's time to uh, get into the meat and potatoes of the night. We've already had one great interview, and I think this is going to be a really good one, too, because uh, we're going to do a little something here that if we haven't done this before, it's been a long time since we've done it. Well, this is a little bit different. Um, we, we, we now have two drivers uh, on the phone. Uh they share this. This is now. This is different. They share the same race car on the weekends, and they're. I and I'm about ninety percent sure they're from the same hometown. Uh, Chase Roseborough, Roseborough, Brian Brindley, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, tell uh, Chase. Let's start with you. Um, tell us how you guys came up with this idea, because I know you come from the pavement side of things. Um, what? How did you come up with this idea to say? Hey, Brian, I'd like to run your B-Mod. Well, we just kind of got talking about it. And like I said, running the asphalt and stuff. And he just said, uh, what do you think about trying trying the dirt out? And I said, you know, I'd love to. And we, that's kind of just where it started. It, it was that simple? Really? <laughs> it was that easy to pick <laughs> up? Much. It was that easy to pick up a ride? I mean, my goodness. You know, guys, <laughs> guys would love to fall into a ride like that. Brian, if you're giving out rides, we got a couple phone numbers here. Some some old washed up guys that would love to give you a number. Right, right. Yeah, it's open to bidding. Now, what about you, Brian? I mean, what led you to chase? Uh, you know, a younger guy, uh, not really, from my understanding, a lot of background in dirt. Why did you open the seat up for him? Well, I ended up with the second car here uh, a couple of years ago. I ended up winning it front in a raffle. Colin Thurl, we had had and i ended up winning it it was a bare chassis so of course you know that's that that was that you know bare chassis it sounds like i got a lot but i still had to put a lot of money into it yeah. and uh i still had my other car so with with my work and stuff it's just 
it's too much for me to handle two cars. So, uh, you know, I kind of was thinking around, you know, getting somebody to drive the other car once in a while if I wasn't driving it. And I don't know, kind of, kind of clicked the, you know, here's, you know, Chase, you know, a good kid and his family, you know, his grandpa was a Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer, you know, back in the day, he won a lot of races, dirt racers, you know, his dad was a, his dad, he'll end up in the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame also, and it's just kind of a, I don't know, with this, this B-Mod stuff, it's, you're running on a hard tire and, you know, a crate engine, you know, it's, it's kind of about being, you got to be smooth and, you know, it kind of, kind of just came about as like, you know, it, you kind of need to get him into it and get him kind of on the, going on the dirt side of it, you know, he's been running the asphalt and doing well and. I just kind of thought maybe it'd be a natural fit, and I kind of, I before I even talked to Chase about it, I kind of asked his dad if he thought it would be okay, and he was all on board with it, so it kind of went from there. Now, Chase, when, you know, my thought has always been from my background is, you know, coming from the pavement side, the only thing I ever used dirt for is if the, the racetrack happened to be on a dirt road, um, I, I'd run <laughs> over it. Uh, what What kind of made you want to get into get into dirt racing and see the other side I, it just it looks fun i don't know it's it's crazy it's a lot everything it changes so much and it, you're on you can go to the same track every weekend but you're on it's it's different every weekend i mean it, it changes completely and it just i don't know like i said i've always wanted to try it and then i got a good opportunity with really good car and good people around and so what can go wrong right now how did you guys get connected what is the background there uh you know the, the you got to know somebody right to get a ride chase you got to know somebody and so you obviously knew brian or brian knew of you what is the history there how, how are your families connected i'll just i mean known each other for years and don't live far from each other or same town and should i live a quarter mile from brian <laughs> no not even he, he, he lives across the right across the road <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i just i've known brian as long as i can remember and his dad my dad knows his dad and he knows my dad and they, we've all just known each other and worked together and and raced together known each other through just everything always hung out you know now, Brian, this is the car, this this blue 3B that you guys share. Is this this is the car you won from Colin? Yeah, yep. So, yep, this is uh, the, the car from Colin, the Diamond by CTR. Uh, like I said, I won it in that raffle, and it was I happened to be, I wanted number four, because that's my number is number four, but I wanted number four in the raffle. Well, somebody had already took it, so I'm like, well, my wife's favorite number is three. I'll just take number three. She's always said yes to be number three. Well, I end up winning the thing with number three. So she's <laughs> like, uh, you got to, that, you know, that car's got to be number three. <laughs> so I'm like, there you go. Okay, I guess it's going to be number three. And, and, you know, and running different classes too, it kind of made a little bit of sense too, you know, so. Right. And that was going to be my point is, so you win this car, you decide you're going to keep it, you put somebody in it. 
but you still are running a UMP modified on on Saturdays at Merritt Speedway, um, and you've made the decision to maybe run that car on Fridays. You actually picked up a win Friday night, holding off Colin at Tri City. Let's talk about that race a little bit, man. That was a really fun one to watch. Yeah, we unloaded. The car was was just good right from the get go. The heat race, I think, started fourth and ended up second, but lap time wise. I would. I think I was the only car in the 13 seconds out of all the heat races, so it was good right from the get-go. And of course, I was pitted next to Colin, and I wanted to change on the car, and he's like, "Don't touch it, leave it alone." I'm like, "No, I got to work on." It. He's like, "No, leave it alone." And we went out there, and I started fourth in that too, and I think I got the lead on lap four or five, and just kind of, you know, it it was just good. The car was good. I mean. It's one of them where you, you don't get one like that very often that it's that good, you know. They're once in a great while that they're that, that, that easy to drive. Now, Chase, i got to ask you, um, you know, you guys are driving the same car. You're both winning in the same car. Um, how, how, how does that work out? Because I've, I've not met very hardly any race car drivers that like the same feel in a race car. Um, how does that work out for you guys changing it back and forth? Or are you guys, do you guys both like the same thing? Um, we pretty well like the same thing. And I, I think that helps a lot because, you know, Brian and Brian's taught me a ton on how to just drive the car. And so we, and we do have the same as far as driving style goes. And so if he says something on what the car felt like on a Friday, like, at tri-city and then i could feel the same thing on saturday at Merritt. it's it's it is we're very similar driving style and i think i think that helps us a lot actually chase take me through your win uh we're going back to Merritt speedway and back in may and you kind of had the same scenario that uh, brian had on friday night of last week you hold off Colin Thurlby in his race car to pick up the win. Colin's coming on strong, you know, picked up eight positions in that race. Talk me through, uh, take me through back to that race. I'm sure that you still remember it very well. Yeah, that was, that was pretty crazy. That was, that was my first race on dirt. And I don't know, I, I started fourth that night as well. And or second, no, I started second and then I fell back to fourth and then I don't know, just kind of, started feeling a little bit more comfortable and that was my first night at Merritt. And then I don't know when I got to leave me had a caution. I just, I don't know. You kind of see guys like just telling me to just, you know, you're doing good to just kind of keep hitting your marks. And just, that's all I did was just keep hitting my marks. And, and, uh, I knew, I mean, I figured Colin would be there cause Colin's always there. He's fast, but just, he said, stays smooth stay consistent and that's all i tried to do and ended up getting the win now chase i do have to ask you uh with brian being so kind putting you in his car is there a standing offer for brian to get an outlaw super late model on payment <laughs> anytime he wants <laughs> i uh i think if i put him in my asphalt car though i'm gonna have to take the windshield out for him <laughs> <laughs> and prepare to spend a lot of money on tires. the windshield yeah <laughs> <laughs> Brian, uh, any interest in you to uh, to see what's going on on the asphalt? 
No, I'll just go over and help him on his once in a while. I, <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. I've just always been a dirt guy. I've been around it my whole life, and I don't know. I'll, I'll let them let them do that, and like I said, I'll go. I, I go over to their shop every so often, help them out on the car, getting it ready or whatever, and that's that's about as far as I want to go with it. What is it like for you to be uh, now not just an owner-driver, but now you own a car that, yeah, you do drive it, but th- that you have a driver for your car on Saturday nights and, and maybe other nights if you guys decide that you want to do that. Uh, Brian, how is that? I'm going to call it a transition, Ben, for you to kind of be in the owner's role now where you got somebody wheeling that thing, and if it's not doing what they need it to do or if, if he crashes it or if he breaks something, uh, I mean, you're kind of on the hook for that unless you guys have another agreement. How has that been for you, Brian? Oh, it's been it's been really good. I mean, like I said, I've been around it, what, 20 years now I think I've been driving, so I'm kind of getting to the point where, I've got a pontoon and I go boating when I want to go boating and I go racing when I want to go racing. I don't, I'm not in the points racing anymore. So, you know, it kind of just fits along them lines, you know, like I don't want to race every weekend anymore. And I, and another reason I got chasing the car too is, uh, my youngest son's kind of got an interest in the racing. He, uh, he's, he's been racing the mini wedges and stuff and he actually aged out this year. So, he don't have any race car right now. It kind of, that's kind of the next progression. Like with the prices of everything, you know, street stocks, they're spending as much as we are. I don't really want to put them in a four cylinder. So, but what, what's going to happen is I'm going to get him in a modified too, whether he takes over for me or whatever, you know, but I kind of want to chase their kind of, to kind of mentor him along too. So uh, what I'm hearing, and, and I'm going to come right out and ask you this, is you're kind of beating around the bush of not saying that Chase is out of a ride, but it sounds like maybe, Brian, you're considering hanging up the helmet yourself. Well, I'm I'm sure, like Chase, I, as I told him before, I said, you got you can drive as long as you want to drive for me. I mean, we get along great. I mean, like, like I said, we're, we talk on the phone all day. I mean, we, we got a good bunch of guys. You know, we, we're having a ball this year. We've had a ball, you know, with Chase and with Colin and everything. It's just been, we've just been having a, a good time, you know. I mean, granted, you know, you're going to have the nights, you know, but so far this year, we just, it's it's been fun, you know. And like I said, we're just, you know, I'm trying to teach Gray there, you know, to work on the car right now. He's kind of our 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 guy in the pits right now, you know. He's 14 and he's at the point where I ain't got to tell him what to do now, you know, when we get back to the shop, he knows what to do and kind of, you know, like I said, go from there with, you know, with Chase helping him, maybe getting them in the seat, you know, and teaching him some stuff. And I, and I think, you know, if, if you're going to keep driving, Brian, I think on the other hand, maybe you just told us that you got a pontoon boat for sale. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. My wife, Holly, would not be happy about that one. Mama Holly would not be happy. No, but like I said, we like a week ago, we neither of us raced. We all, a bunch of us got together, and we went up to my dad's got property by Burt Lake, and we all got together. I mean, it's one big family, all of our buddies and stuff, and none of us raced. We all went to the lake last week, and we had a, we had a ball. So, you know, it's it's not, you know, I'll keep racing. I kind of want to keep racing. I mean, once it's in your blood, you you can't get it out of it, you know. It's just, I don't know, you spend the money spent, you wouldn't even want to add it up. But, you know, I wouldn't. <laughs> the friends 
the friends we've made over the years, I wouldn't change nothing, you know, so. Well, and, and Brian, <clears throat> I hate to chase, I'm not trying to push you out, but Brian, one more thing. What have your feelings been to watch Chase, a neighbor and a family friend and somebody that you have had a chance to mentor, for him to go out, pick up the win in the first try, back that up with a top five, other strong finishes throughout the season here? What's it been like for you to see that progression for him, even being a rookie in this whole thing? Uh, it's it's actually kind of been un, it's been just unreal, really. I mean, that first night, like, I'm up by the fence and I'm like, he gets the lead, and I'm like, he could win this thing. Like, <laughs> this is first month. Like, literally, we went to a couple – he had, like, 30 laps total between Mount Pleasant and Tri-City testing-wise, and that was it. Like, we turned him loose to the wolves, you know, and he picked – I mean, just – just I don't know. It's been pretty unreal. I mean, I – I mean, I wouldn't have put him in, in, in the car if I didn't think he couldn't do things in it. For you sure. Know? He's just got a that. I mean, he's smooth. You know, I would, like I said, I wouldn't have put him in it if I didn't feel that he could be successful in it. And, you know, hopefully we'll get him maybe a little bit more next year. Right now he's kind of doing it when he's not racing up on away and got other races he's not doing. So, I, you know, there's been weekends he's went, well, he won the 3rd of July too at Merritt. I wasn't even there. I was up to the lake. So, you know, I'd let him, if he wants to go race, and I said, the trailer is there, the car is there. Shoot, he even took my boy with him that night, you know, so. Chase, what's it been like know, for you, I'm, man, uh, to, to get in this car and be successful right out of the gate? Has that been, uh, I mean, exciting, strange? Uh, I mean, what what's the feeling been like for you? Uh, both. I don't know. I, I didn't really know what to expect, you know. It, it was, it's a, different surface it's a different car i mean it it's everything was different but like i said you know i had a lot of good people i mean brian's smart and we get along great and colin he's smart and he's helped me out a lot and they're both really good drivers so you listen to them guys and the things they tell you and you go do it and then the car works the car does what it's supposed to and but i was i don't know when i started doing it i just my goal was just, you know, finish strong and have some good runs and hopefully be up front eventually and stuff. And then we started out right off the bat with, like I said, the win the first night and then top five for quite a few nights after that. And then we got another win and it just, we've been running really good every week. And it, I don't know, it's, it's definitely been, uh, I didn't expect it at first. And like I said, it, it's just been really good. It, I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad we've been able to run good, or I've been able to run good for Brian and, and his equipment, and it's awesome stuff. It's, it's, it's been a, a blast. And Chase, let's let's find out now. I mean, the, we know where we can find you guys, uh, Tri City and Merritt Speedway on the dirt. What do you got coming up on your pavement schedule? I got on away August fourteenth. And then uh, August 21st, I actually have a memorial race for my grandpa at uh, Whittemore Speedway called the Growler 100. And then August 28th, the following weekend, I'm back up to Onaway. So that'd be my next three asphalt shows. Uh, but we plan on the next two weekends uh, running up to Merritt. 
Brian, uh, as we close out here, I know that these are both your cars, <clears throat> and Chase is privileged to be able to drive them. So who is it that is on the side of these race cars that makes them go round and round? Yes. First, I'd like thanks my thank my wife. Uh, she puts up a lot. The the business we're in, it's where the hours are crazy in the summer. So between that and working on the race car, uh, she puts up a lot. So I'd like to thank her and then my boy Gray and my uncle Alan. Uncle Alan, he's the one that got me into this stuff. You know, it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be doing any of this. So, but then uh, my mom, and dad, with M and B Trucking, uh, Todd Roseby Trucking. Case's dad, he helped us out a ton this year. Uh, Aero Racing Supply, uh, Diamond Race Cars by CTR, Colin there. He's, I, I mean, it, the things he's did for us uh, is, it's, you know, I don't know why he don't have more cars out there, to be honest with you, but maybe with what we've been doing, uh, hopefully he can sell a few. But him and uh, uh, Wangler and Sons Trucking, and then uh, I think I think that's about it. Well, guys, uh, we appreciate you making some time to be on the show. Congrats on the wins this year. I think it's awesome that that car has gone to victory lane several times between two drivers. That's, uh, you don't see that much anymore. You don't see a lot of guys doing swap seat and, and win on both nights. So nice job, and good luck the rest of the way. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Well, Zach, uh, coming up uh, on Wednesday, this Wednesday, we're doing we're going to go ahead and preview Wednesday Corrigan Oil Speedway. Uh, prime time, I think it's hashtag prime time, isn't that what they're calling it? Maybe. Hashtag prime time. Yeah. Uh, Northsidetowing.net, Big Eight Super Late Model Series, race number four, 65 laps, $4,000 to win on Wednesday night for the Outlaws. And then Modified Challenge Series, race number five, 50 laps, 1500 to win uh as well that should draw some very very good cars pits open at 3 p.m for the midweek show on wednesday grandstands at five racing kicks off at 7 p.m then on friday we go to the dirt with some really good shows uh we have the fast on dirt fremont attica sprints uh, they are going to be the 410 Sprints taking on the Sprints on Dirt from up here, Sod. They're going to go head-to-head in the 410 category. Then the Great Lakes Super Sprints are going head-to-head with themselves. Max Stambaugh, Ryan Rule, all in that points battle. Dustin Daggett in there as well. Going to be a great show on Friday night. And, oh, yeah, by the way, the competitive street stock division. Uh, we're talking about Carlin Forsyth, Tim Wilbur. Those guys have been putting on a great show here in 2021. All going to be happening at I-96 Speedway on Friday, July 30th. Grandstands, 5 o'clock, racing at 8. And they're going to do some stuff on the pavement as well Friday night. Yeah, Zach, uh, Kalamazoo Speedway is going to have a special night. They're going to have five divisions in action, extra payout for all of their divisions. And they're going to go ahead and try an autograph night, first time in a very long time. Uh, at Kalamazoo Speedway on Friday, Pitts and the Grandstands both open at 3.30 p.m. Racing kicks off at 7.30 and then on to Saturday, a little bit of a drive if you're looking for something to do, but it should be a good show. The Arkham Menards Series is taking on Winchester Speedway. It's going to be a fantastic program with the 200-lap uh, event that they've got going on. And that's paired up with the Midwest Modifieds Tour, who will be racing for 35 laps and a chance at $2,000 to win. The program begins with qualifying at 5 o'clock, you can get into the grandstands at 3 and racing at 6.30 at Winchester. And, Rich, you'll be busy on Saturday night as well. Yep, uh, Flat Rock Speedway, we're going to try an autograph session on track, autograph session as well. Outlaw, 
uh, Outlaw Super Late Models back in action once again. Street Stocks, figure eights also. Gates open at 4.15. The, auto, the on-track autograph session will be at 6 p.m. Racing gets started at 7 p.m. Also on Saturday, this is a busy day. Also on Saturday, the Great Lakes Super Sprints head south just a touch. They'll be down in Fremont um, to take on Fremont Speedway on Saturday, the first trip down there in a couple of years. So that's going to be a fantastic show. And not to be left out, I have a little conflict of interest on Saturday because also happening is the Jags CRA All-Stars Tour 100-lap event at Birch Run's Dixie Speedway. And uh, I, I'm actually really kind of looking forward to seeing what's going on at Birch Run now with some new management pieces floating around that that, that place. And uh, the Jags Tour always puts on a great show, so I'd be interested to see what's happening there. And not to be outdone, Rich, a track just up the road has got a race going on on Saturday. Yeah, and, and Zach, this is some big money. If you've seen how much money they've raised uh, at this event uh, for a street stock race, the Jay Woolworth Memorial Street Stock Race at Auto City Speedway, um, I cannot believe the amount of money that they have raised that the street stocks up there in mid-Michigan are going to be racing for on Saturday. Um, if I was still racing, that's where you would find <laughs> me, I'll tell you. Well, it's going to be a great weekend of racing. We wish that uh, we could be everywhere, but we can't. Um, so we invite you to check out what's going on at your local racetrack. Go in, catch what's happening. It's the end of July. This is the final weekend of racing in July. August, there's already tracks in August that are going to be doing some championship nights. So, man, it's winding down. It's uh, getting close to being over already up here in Michigan. So get out to a racetrack very soon. For, <clears throat> excuse me, for Scott Medlin, who pays the bills, for Rich France, who is uh, my co-host, it's me, Zach Heiser. Thanking you so much for tuning in. Go out there and find a race. Thanks to all of our great guests tonight. And we'll talk to you again next Monday, same time, same place, right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.